thank you for joining us for an episode of That's All Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. I am Michelle Kane. My company is Voice Matters, and I am here as ever with my wonderful co-host. She is Karen Swim. She is the leader of the pack. That is solo PR pro. Hi, Karen. How are you today? Hello, my fabulous co-host, Michelle. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, you know. Yeah, I'm, this is going to sound pathetic, but I'm looking forward to one day off in a in a three day weekend. <laughs> yes, you are, and I am so glad that you're doing this for yourself because you have worked far too many days in a row. So I'm so proud yeah. of you for taking. Time as we on. do, as we do, we're kind of all type A and conscientious, and you know the world can't possibly stay spinning if I don't pay attention <laughs> to it. Like, who am I? Get over myself. Yeah, I I stink at this unless there's like a a concert to go to somewhere or somewhere to be, I am just terrible at taking time, which could be a podcast for another day. But today we're going to talk about clients in crisis. Yes. <laughs> and and I might never, they better not have any on the day. <laughs> I love this topic. I mean, and I, I'm excited that we're talking about it. Yeah. And, and that may come as a surprise to people because we've really been living in crisis mode for the past year. But Oh, this is by far one of my favorite topics. Yeah, and we were inspired actually by a blog on soloprpro.com. Uh, we've got Jess Lawler in charge of our fabulous, rounding up our fabulous Smarties. And um, we have an, the blog right now is five solo PR pros advise on crisis comm. So we, we really crowdsourced and asked some of our own you know, to just kind of weigh in uh, with their tips on how do you deal with a client crisis? And you know, of course, you should be prepared. I mean, that that goes without question. I think, however, in the moment, it's good to prepare yourself, right? Yeah. Just know you have that part of your brain at the ready that if something hits the fan for your clients, that you've internalized some of this so that it becomes instinctual. I really liked what Joe Collada from What's Up Communication said was, you know, the first thing he tells a client when dealing with a crisis is do not lie. Yeah. Because they're, they're going to find out. They're going to find out. Yeah. And especially in this day of instant, you know, everything's breaking news. And uh, you will be found out if you lie. So please don't. Don't do that. Well, you know what? I You said something that I think is really key. So as communicators, we... We write crisis plans for our clients. We have them practice scenarios. We update them. And we, you know, our whole reason for doing that is number one, to proactively prevent unnecessary crises, to have policies in place so that things don't escalate. But we want it to become muscle memory for them. So we make them practice it. We make them revisit it. We make them review it. We assign roles so that when something happens, people are not trying to create the will. They're just following the playbook. But what you said, I think, is something that we don't talk about very often. And it's equally important as a communicator, we need to have muscle memory as well to be able to instantly go from muscle memory. And that means internalizing all of these same principles. And I think that that's something, you know, I, I don't hear many people talk about. I hear us talk about prepping clients, but not prepping mm -hmm. ourselves mm -hmm. and making sure that we are ready to go into counselor mode immediately. So it's more than just directing your client like, okay, we have a plan, but it's also making sure that you can tap into that um, immediately. So I love yeah. that you said that and we should call that out for sure. 
absolutely because you know you, you want to be the one to sail into the room and and rally your troops who are your clients you, you know they're looking to you in that moment to lead the way of like okay here we go now yeah. you know we've got our spokesperson you're going to make a statement at three o'clock we're going to issue it you know here and put it online and blah 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 you you have to project that ease and authority so that they are confident in what they're saying. You know, the thing about crises is they they never come along and say, okay, so next Thursday at 3.30, the yeah. bottom's going to fall out of your day. No, yeah. it's usually a surprise. Um, there are some times, depending on what's happening in your client's world, that you may know something that's coming down the pipeline. But for the most part, it's definitely usually something unexpected as far as what or when. Yeah, I think we can anticipate a lot, right? Based on clients and industries and historical contacts. And, you know, one of the things that I am so adamant about, and I sometimes feel like I'm just so repetitive in counseling clients is that I think that two pillars that are super critical to avoiding crisis and then to efficiently managing it when it happens, not if, because crises Mm -hmm. do happen, is number one, having a systematic structure of ethics. I, anybody who's ever heard me speak on ethics has heard me say that a foundation of ethics is your defense against crisis. And The reason that's so important, because it's not just about doing the right thing. It's really systematically understanding what are your values? What do you value as a corporation? Because what you value helps you to make decisions about what's right and what's wrong. And while, you know, ethics is, you know, a moral philosophy, there can be some areas that are not so black and white. Um, You know, if you make blue balloons and your values are blue balloons make people feel calm and they, you know, they make people happy and they're great for birthday parties. But then someone else may say, well, balloons are terrible for the environment and they harm birds and we hate balloons and they're, you know, environmentally unfriendly. What you value is going to be different from another brand that's fighting against that. But if you know that, you can have a foundation that ensures that everything that you do as a company is aligned with what you truly value. And you could be super specific about what's what's right, what's wrong, what's acceptable, and what's not. But here's the second piece that I think I've seen a lot this year is you also need to have a very strong internal communications program. Absolutely. I am horrified by how many people Focus on the external and don't have an internal comms program. Mm-hmm. That's that's a recipe for disaster. If you're not communicating to your own people, you're not articulating things, you're not engaging them, you're not making them part of the company, you are headed for a crisis for sure. Because, you know, so many crises, and I point this out to people because there are economic statistics that back up why ethics and internal comms is so important. Leaders that communicate are trusted. Leaders Mm -hmm. that are trusted don't have ethical issues. You've got to have two-way communication. 
if you have two-way communication, your people are going to line up behind you. I mean, now, this also requires you to be an ethical leader. You can't be somebody who doesn't have integrity and expect people to follow and do what you say. But right. having that <laughs> having that ethical foundation married to the internal communications is going to set you up for success. And, yeah. you know, when we look at lawsuits and, you know, customer complaints, you can always trace it back to cracks in one of those things. So if you don't allow those cracks to form, you're going yeah. to have a measure of protection. And you're also going to build, you know, trust equity with your audiences. Things are said all the time against people. And sometimes, you know what, companies make mistakes. But if you have established a history of trust, your audience is going to support you and they're more likely to be forgiving, particularly when you're honest about the mistake, you're doing something to correct it, and you've shown that you genuinely did not want to make this mistake and that now you're going to fix it. But that takes time. You know, it's like putting a deposit in a bank. If you don't make any deposits, you got nothing to withdraw. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And in fact, as you were speaking, I was thinking, yeah, and it's not just laying the groundwork for believability now in this moment. It's you have to walk your talk from day one. Because, you know, I can think of companies just now in my head of if they had, let's say it's, you know, a meat company that has a salmonella issue, you know, I could go both ways, depending who I think of. I could think of some and think, oh, well, yeah, that's why I don't even buy their product. And yeah. I can think of others of, oh, my goodness, I know they're ethical and I know they care. So I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust that they're going to take care of this. And I am horrified along with you of some of the lack of internal comms, even of, you know, oh, oh, I didn't know we were doing X, Y, Z in the community. And I'm thinking, you know, this, so there's, it not only affects your outfacing persona, but it's, it can turn into morale issues. It can turn into, you know, at the sake of, at the risk of sounding a little woo, you know, energy issues of, you know, just the buoyancy of, of vibrancy that people bring to work, you know, it's just that, that team building um, essence. And I think oftentimes what we do, Oh, you're just, you know, saying words and you're just communicating things. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm communicating. And that doesn't just mean that, you know, we're creating cute little memes or, you know, we're telling you what you should say. It's, it's you are creating a culture through your communications. And there is a lot to that. There is a psychology to that. Yeah. There is a thoughtfulness and it does have economic impact. So it is so important to well, make I sure you that- you know, Chip reminds us that employees can be your biggest asset or your biggest weakness in a crisis. And he is 100% right. Uh-huh. I think we've seen this happen so often in this past year. You know, companies that immediately come to mind are um, Basecamp, Uber, Amazon, yeah. so many, The Ellen Show. Just yeah. if you, <laughs> once that there's a leak, yeah, and then people are like, yeah, it's horrible work in here. This completely sucks and we're walking out. And I have deleted so many apps and stopped using so many tools because of their policies, because I can't Mm -hmm. support companies that are evil to their employees. I can forgive 
I can absolutely forgive mistakes, but I cannot forgive a pattern of unethical behavior and abuse toward employees. Just not going to do it if I know about it. I'm sure right. that there are things that are happening that I'm not aware of. But if right. I become aware of it, then I feel accountable to mm-hmm. to follow my own values. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that Chip, you know, hit the nail on the head. But you know, it's funny. Like corporations are so perfect about saying. Our talent is our greatest asset. And really? Do you really believe that? So beautiful <laughs> on a website and in a marketing brochure until you find out that, yeah, you don't treat them like that. And that's not okay. You can't just say things because they sound pretty or because you think it's what people want to hear if you're not going to do it. You, right. you just you can't do that. You're going to get found out. You're going to get exposed. Eventually, yeah. you will get exposed. I think especially in the environment we're living in today where everyone, you know, most everyone is connected. You know, we're all, most of us are online. Information, whether good, bad, or indifferent is available to us in a matter of seconds. So, and, you know, people will talk. And I think that's a good thing. Like you point back to the Ellen show and things like that, where, you know, I'll, I'll be having conversations with people and they'll say, oh, well, why is everyone talking now? So, well, because they feel that they have the ability to now. They feel yeah. protected. They feel safe to do so. So I'm going to be inclined, you know, where there's smoke, there's got to be a little fire. And You're it's absolutely right. And companies need to be aware of that. And like you say, you know, evil practices with, with your employees. Like what, what's your point? How rich is rich enough? And, and it will, you know, I don't know, you know, things are coming out now about Bill Gates and, you know, here for many years, we've just thought of him as a wonderful philanthropist who was really moving the needle and not to say that he has not done some excellent things in his life, Correct. but it's patently greatly that yeah. um, America created a corporate work culture where people felt afraid. They yes. felt afraid for their livelihood yeah. and these practices were allowed to go unchecked and people rose to even greater positions of power and they didn't deserve to be there. Now, I I don't know the inside story. I have not fact-checked it. So please do your own research and be discerning about media sources and check on it. But there are reports emerging that, you know, are disturbing. Some of them appear to be false. And I don't want to get into his marriage because the way I feel about that, none of my business. Right. But the behavior with employees and when more and more people continue to step up, those are concerning. Um, and I, as communicators, those are things that you absolutely should be talking about with your clients. Um, oh, totally. It's, yeah. it's really, a, you know, you liken it to attorney client privilege, right? It's like, we're yeah. in the cone of silence here. I don't, yeah. I don't know how many times I've said this on the show already. I don't need to know everything. I really don't want to know everything, but I need to know everything. It's the only way we we can help you, guide you. And I don't say this in a cover-up way, but it helps us protect you, mostly from yourselves. You know, it's like, no, you can't say that that way. You might feel that. Say, well, you know, t- type it up. Yes. Don't hit send. Yes. Completely agree. Don't say it out loud. (laughs) It's we should absolutely be uh, pre 
qualifying clients based on these issues as well. I love that one of our very smart PR professionals, she's no longer a solo. She's doing great work in the public sector, but she's still part of our tribe, Allison Kenny. And she, she started a topic of discussion the other day about vetting startup clients, mm-hmm. you know, what are the things that you look at? Because, and and I love the discussion because she was thoughtful in, you know, okay, what are the tools that you're using to research the leadership and research their experiences and their backgrounds? And I think that, you know, as PR pros, we do have to feel good about the clients that we represent. I absolutely believe that they should align with our own values, that it should be work that we take great joy in doing, that we have some expertise that we can apply, that we can get results for them. But I also think that, you know, you shouldn't feel icky about representing somebody. And if you are to work with a company that maybe there's not a lot of public record and it's, you know, a startup that you do have to ask the hard questions about their leadership style and things that they believe ask, because if you don't, and that client turns out to be a nightmare and completely unhinged and trust me, I've seen and heard things that have curled my hair, then (laughs) you're going to be putting yourself and your reputation into a position to have to defend something that you don't even believe in. So that is so so, true. Yeah. I mean, ask, don't be afraid to ask and then don't be afraid to turn down work that doesn't align with who you are. Right, right. I think it's so important what you just said of, you know, some of the stink will rub off on you. And you have to make sure, okay, is that what I want to be known for? I mean, some people might want to craft their business that way of, hey, I can get anyone out of anything. And and that's fine if that's your choice. But yeah, you want to make sure that they aren't doing anything too untoward that you don't want to be at the end of the day either associated with or finding yourself in a position where you are the one crafting the defense for that. So I guess it's almost like, you know, do you want to be a prosecutor or a criminal defense? (laughs) Well, not entirely. Anyway. (laughs) Environment that we live in. I also think it's important to really kind of measure your own bandwidth about what you have the capacity to deal with right now. Um, One of the, hardest challenges for me over this past year is working with clients managing crisis in certain areas like mm-hmm. DEI because it's required me to immediately shift into you know balanced professional that's completely neutral and to be able to quickly assess the issues and yeah. to give advice with issues that are absolutely impacting me. And it's why I understand all the statistics around DEI professionals and and why there's such a high rate of burnout, because you are both the person impacted, but also the person tasked with fixing the issues. And I don't want to minimize how difficult that is. Um, Same for, you know, there could be gender issues, you know, perhaps you are a woman who is having, you know, and, and maybe you have suffered harassment, workplace harassment or abuse, and now you're having to manage these things in your professional realm. And so be honest with yourself about what you can really take on. And and it's okay. You know, I, you know, I'm fond of saying lately, just, you know, never be afraid to say no, never be afraid to walk away and don't be afraid of not being able to do everything. It really is okay. Right. You can't get worked up about this stuff. No, 
No, but you, you do need to protect yourself and your psyche and your and just your your sanity too. At the end of the day, just making sure not to do maybe you know just know okay, well I can handle it with this client, but with that client, let me bring someone on board who can who can offset that. Yeah, because, I know, love that Chip always comes in with the perfect <laughs> soundbite. Oh, this that is great! Is so smart. He is. He's one of my favorite people and I honestly learned so much from him and just, you know, he makes me better. Chip is one of those people. It's like, you make me so much better. And, you know, you pull me up, you make me rise. I love that. He's and he, and he better guy. be careful. We're going to, we're going to have him on again soon. So look out. Chip. We are. Yes, we are. You want to read the quote or should I, Oh, where to go? There oh. we go. He said, you, you may be able to attend church only on major occasions, but you can't profess ethics only when you're in a crisis. That's right. Smart man. <laughs> Your sins will be found out. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I also want to talk about the opportunity. As mm-hmm. public relations professionals, especially these days, everybody wants tier one media. They want business media. They want media relations. If you're able to take a step back and uh-huh. point out those cracks in a client's foundation, you're yeah. able to to create richer engagements that are going to be more valuable for you as a professional, but as for the client as well. Because let's face it, media relations, we know that it's a steady drumbeat and that you can gain momentum, but it goes and it comes. Mm-hmm. And getting, you know, a Wall Street Journal hit or a New York Times hit today is not going to mean much in five years. It's, right. you know, something that you have to continue doing. But when you are actually setting up an organization with a strong foundation for success, with an ethics infrastructure and with a strong internal communications program, Mm -hmm. that's something that's going to continue to pay off in dollars and cents. And as PR professionals, we are often tasked with tying what we do to economic impact. That's one way of doing it. And there are all sorts of statistics and metrics out there that support that work. But I also personally find the engagements that allow us to go deeper and to really use our expertise to be so much more rewarding than media relations. You know, you get a little bored. I like to to use my, not to say that you're not using your brain for media relations because it requires a lot of creativity, a lot of persistence and building relationships. But I like to exercise other parts of my brain is, is mm-hmm. what I'm really trying to say. Like we need variety. Yeah. You need a little variety. Yeah. And I yeah. find that very rewarding when I can go deeper. And, you know, I find that a lot of times within that I get to lean into a lot of leadership, mentoring and coaching, which I personally enjoy. Maybe you don't enjoy that, but if you add this and you become more strategic, which is something, um, One of our solo PR pro members, Jennifer Hudson, talks about all the time. She is the strategic communications expert. She is the queen. She has (laughs) courses on it. She talks about it. She speaks on it. She's highly in demand and she's so smart and really knows her stuff. If you really become more strategic, you are going to have richer, longer lasting and um, more profitable client engagements. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. I mean, I think it's, in a way, our job as PR pros and you know, even in the marketing and advertising world, it's our job to think for our clients to a certain extent, not 
clearly not in their area of expertise because they do what they do and we do what we do. But it is our job to think on their behalf of, okay, here's what you need to think of down the road. Um, you know, why don't you try this? You know, it's it's like if, if they do a lot of community and charity work, you know, you really should consider maybe starting a foundation. And And I love what you said about, you know, just trying to get those bylines and, and, and those, you know, placements. What if the organization operated from a point of ethics as one of our core values? You know, the way we do business is one of our core values. So we're going to speak on that. Yes. And then you're in demand for that. And that's, that's almost my favorite kind of, of media to get someone. Oh, and by the way, I sell fabulous products. Yes, I totally That's neither here nor there. You know, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, if if you really need to internalize this for yourself, that, you know, you are capable of doing so much more and how valuable that is really is. So we just, you know, tax day was this week. And (laughs) think about an accountant. Um, Yeah, you might pay somebody to prepare your taxes. And that's great because they take the pain out of it. But you might even pay a little bit more. For an accountant, that's strategic on your behalf. Somebody who looks at things and says, you know, I noticed that, you know, these systems that you're using are duplicated and there's a more streamlined way to do this. Or I noticed that you have these ongoing expenses. There are ways to save money on that. You know, I looked at some ways that you could, you know, reduce your tax burden. You want somebody that's thinking ahead for you, somebody who can say, you know, this corporate structure worked for you early on, but I think that you should consider this. So we want those strategic counselors and we're willing to pay a little more for that because the rewards are going to pay off. We're going to get our return on investment, but somebody who just does the task, yeah, we'll give them money, but do we really value them? Because no, if somebody else comes along and they are going to do the task and they're going to do them cheaper, you might change because it's task to you. But when you are doing more than task and you're really getting into the strategy that has a greater value. Oh, that's so true. I mean, what you outlined is exactly what I look for in any service professional. I, I've told my accountant many times, please treat me like I'm a (laughs) four-year-old. Because in this yeah. arena, I am just just lay it out and tell me, make tell me it's going to be okay. But yeah, and I yeah. think we have that opportunity to be that to our clients, and I'm sure many of you listening are doing that. You know, you're looking for those opportunities of, hey, this would be a great direction for you to move in. I think you know it would position you well, and and you know might increase your sales, which is what you always want, or you know grow your just grow your business. So I, I think it's key. It's key. So I think that everyone in our audience um, wants to do this and maybe yeah. do it on some level. But I also think that the majority of our audience can relate to getting in a spin cycle because oh, clients are yeah. like, give me this, give me that, give me this. And you're, you're just busy. You're managing your clients and you're just delivering results. And then you look up and you're like, how did I get here? I mean, yeah. I, to oh. have been guilty of that. Like, how did I get here? This is not yeah. even what I want to be doing. This is stupid. Right. So today we hope that you we've given you some things to think about and to remember how smart you really are and how valuable you really are to your clients and how much more you could be getting in engagements, not only in terms of dollars and profit, but in terms of fulfillment. 
I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's, you know, these are the pep talks we need to give to ourselves as well as to each other. And it's so true. We get so busy in the deadlines and the this and the that. And, and you just stop and think, you know, I've, I know even just lately I've been thinking, am I, am I tracking all right? What's happening? And that's okay. That's good. It's good. It's yeah. why we should take, you know, take an hour, promise yourself, you're going to take even 30 minutes every week and just think about your business and see how that does. And let us know about that at soloprpro.com. And uh, if you have enjoyed this episode, please do share and subscribe. And until next time, we thank you so much for listening to That Solo Life. <music>